welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to another episode of Fertility Conversations. Today, we are joined by our lovely guest, Nicole, who is joining us from the UK. She's the author of The Seven Birthstones and will be sharing her infertility journey with us today. Her details would also be in the show notes. So welcome, Nicole, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Yay. <laughs> so we usually start off by saying, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, okay, so this, this could be quite long. Um, so I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, I'm in my mid forties now, um, and I'm still childless, and it's it's been um, quite a journey that um, I, I'm you know I'm glad to to share with people because I think there's a lot of secrecy around that. Um, yeah. I um, I have an office job that I don't necessarily love, unfortunately, um, but it 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 pays well, um, pays the bills. So um, I've carried on. I am actually a trained therapist. Um, right. and my my future plans will be to 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 go into that but um yeah at the moment it's it's of, uh, well I, I will go through it in um during this this podcast but um we're adopting at the moment um so it doesn't feel like a safe time to be setting up on my own so that's kind of, of on, the, on the back burner so yeah <laughs> right um yeah I don't know what else to say I'm I'm half Swiss half English um so oh, I cool. speak French fluently um my mum's a Swiss one and she actually moved back over to, to Switzerland um so she's over yeah. there um and my dad died several years ago so um I don't really know so my English sorry. family very well um but because I grew up we, we grew up over here and I went to school over here um I've got an amazing group of friends here so mm. um yeah Great. Do you get to go back to Switzerland? Um, usually, yeah. COVID has put a, a, a bit of a oh, stop yeah, to that. So I haven't actually seen my mum since Christmas 2019, which wow. is the longest ever. Um, but I am hopefully going to see her in August. Nice. Fingers crossed. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. Glad to have, uh, hopefully, that the pandemic will be coming to an end and hopefully. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Thank you for sharing. And of course, I know that you noted that you're currently in the middle of uh, adoption. Uh, so I wondered if you could speak about your infertility journey um, from whenever till now. Um, yeah. So, I mean, initially, um, I would say I was probably not everyone relates this this wording, but I would say I was socially infertile. So I, um, I thought that I had, you know, the, the Disney dream happening. I had, I had a partner. Um, we met at uni. Everything was going well. Um, we bought a house. Um, I assumed marriage and kids would be next. Um, and I kept asking and saying, you know, how about, how about now? How about now? Um, <laughs> and um, just before my 29th birthday, he walked away. Um, basically, he didn't want kids. Um, at the time, it, it just completely shattered my world. I hadn't been prepared for it. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm on the trajectory for happiness here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I found myself in my early 30s, single, um, and I tried everything. I went speed dating. I went um, online dating. I did everything I could. Any any friends who had said, you know, oh, I, I know a guy, I'd be like, yeah, I'll yeah. him. <laughs> tried everything. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't find, because I, I didn't want to just find someone to be a dad. I wanted someone who was going to be my soulmate. So, mm. um, yeah, it just didn't happen. So, um, and I was quite conscious that fertility runs out quite quickly for women in, in kind of towards their, their late 30s. So I thought, right, I need a plan. Um, and I always assumed that I wouldn't need the plan. This was just, you know, just in case. Mm. Um and I decided to look into being a solo mum. And initially I thought maybe adoption. And then um, 
my mum was actually diagnosed with dementia and I thought actually no I'd like to have a child of my own um and so I looked into solo IVF um and into using a sperm donor um and yeah then um I, I I kind of held back I kept thinking you know I don't need to do this I'm gonna find somebody you know I'm not that awful a person my yeah. my 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 other half is out there somewhere um so I kept delaying it and delaying it um and then eventually I was like it it has to be now you know I'm running out of time um so I did my first round of solo IVF um and unfortunately that ended in a miscarriage oh, I so started <laughs> thank you um I started my second round and as I was doing that second round I met um my partner who is who is now my partner um and oh, wow. yeah yeah and I was just like when do I tell him that I'm doing IVF and I'm about <laughs> to get pregnant by somebody else <laughs> um and it, it was it was difficult actually because I I just assumed he would run I thought you know the minute I tell him I'm I'm gonna be you know um uh, have an egg implanted um he's just going to walk away and he didn't he stayed um that second round of IVF was unsuccessful um Sorry. and I was told at that point that I would never carry a child of my own um based on nothing the the fertility clinic did no tests they had one miscarriage and one failed round and they basically said you're never going to have a child of your own um so That's crazy. I was, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the time, I, I didn't know anything about fertility, really. We're not taught anything in school. We're not yeah. taught, you know, um, I, I only found out I had um, endometriosis because of this clinic. Um, this fertility clinic said, oh, oh, kind of, you know, by the way, did you know you had endometriosis? I was like, no. Um, and I actually had stage four endometriosis. So I had to have surgery first. Um and I'd, I'd never known, you know, you're, you're not told what is normal as a teenager, what to look out exactly. for, things to, yeah. to, to be aware of. Um, infertility is just not talked about. Um, so, yeah, I was I was hit with this news um, that I wouldn't carry my own child. Um, and it just it just in terms of the grief, it just threw me into a hole. I just I didn't know how to get out of that. Um and, and I was offered no support either. There, there was no kind of, you know, we're, we're telling you you're infertile, but actually, you know, here's people you could talk to. It was just a, see ya. Yeah. Um, so I left that clinic just completely destroyed. Um, and I, I actually sought counselling through work and um, the, the counsellor I saw actually just, just the first session was amazing. She just let me cry. Um, and I cried for, for pretty much the whole 50 minutes and I think that's what I needed and then after that I was yeah. just like Do you know he said it was unlikely he didn't say it wouldn't happen um, and I just kind of thought right I'm it's gonna happen he didn't say definitely not he just said unlikely um, I wasn't taking no for an answer um, and I managed to convince my partner to start trying um, obviously by then we were both in our late 30s so um, you know he he knew that it wasn't um, you know an, an endless supply of, of fresh eggs it had to, to happen soon um, and we started trying and um, got pregnant really quickly um, so yeah um, and then I lost that baby <laughs> um, I, I had been so sure because I thought you know this one's a natural pregnancy there's there's no IVF yeah. there's nothing kind of interfering um, and yeah so that was a shock but I actually got pregnant again really quickly and I thought third time lucky everyone knows that yeah. <laughs> this one's gonna be okay um I lost that one as well um and yeah it's it's just been it's been tough um so yeah um it's it's been a long journey I carried on then then after that I started not being able to get pregnant so it, it was um over a year before I could get pregnant again um and that one was, I, I then got pregnant and that was a really early miscarriage, um, five weeks. Um, and in, in that time, I'd been referred to the recurrent miscarriage clinic um, in, in London. And they, they thought that I might have a um, bicornate uterus where there's like a, a little heart shaped bit. Um, and they, they kind of felt that 
if the eggs were attaching there, the baby couldn't grow properly. Um, so I was sent in for surgery and it turned out I didn't, um, it was just a shadow on the scan. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so, and then because, because we then struggled to have, to, to get pregnant again um, for such a long time, um, we were referred to a fertility clinic again, because by then I was 40. Um, so we then did IVF as a couple um, and I got pregnant with twins um, and I lost them. Um, and that was, that was probably the hardest miscarriage. I don't know what it was about them. I was just sure that they were going to be my family. Um, and I, I actually don't remember it. I don't remember that miscarriage at all. All the others, I remember how I felt the time of day, everything. I, I can't tell you a single thing. I think I've just blocked it out completely. Um, it, yeah, that one completely shattered me, I think. Um, and at that point I was already like, do you know what? I've, yeah, <laughs> I've lost six babies. I, I can't do this. Um, and we, um, we then kind of spoke to a, a, a local agency around adoption. Um, and I, I, we, we hadn't actually stopped trying, but I didn't have much hope because it had taken so long to, and the fertility clinic, so sorry, I'm going out of order here. Um, oh. But basically we'd, we'd gone back to the fertility clinic um, to talk about maybe using an egg donor. Um, and they said, basically, there's nothing more they could do. I was going to miscarry every pregnancy. Um, and they weren't, because they're, in, in the, with the, the recurrent miscarriage clinic, they, they tested for everything and nothing was coming up. Um, so they, they said, you know, it's, it's, it's you. It's not the babies that are, are, are wrong. It's, it's something that you are, are doing. It was a, an assumed kind of immunological response. Um, so my body was basically just killing them off, seeing it as a foreign body and, and killing them off. Um, so they said, you know, you're going to miscarry w whatever pregnancy. Um, so we're not willing to go with donor, donor eggs. Um, so I kind of, in my head, I thought it was, it was probably over at that point. Um, part of me wasn't ready to accept that yet. So um, as I say, we weren't actually trying, but we hadn't actually stopped either. Um, so we spoke to this adoption agency and um, about a few weeks later, I found out I was actually pregnant again. Um, and then I actually lost that baby again. Um, so that was my seventh baby. Um, and at that point, I was just, no, enough. Um, I know that there's there's probably, you know, we could have maybe gone for more testing, gone for, because there's only a certain amount of things that the NHS currently tests for. You could do lots of private testing. Um, and I thought, you know, just how much money and how much time and how many more babies do I necessarily sacrifice? Because I didn't know that, you know, there, there are drugs and things you can take, but getting pregnant again I didn't know that they would work I didn't know yeah um so I was like you know am I willing to sacrifice maybe another one or two miscarriages just on the off chance that actually the you know then the, the one after that might work um at what point yeah. do you say stop <laughs> um and also just the, the the grief of it it'd been just years of just grief after grief I was just completely done um and I thought I can't I can't go through this anymore. Um, and so then we, we approached uh, another kind of local agency um, or local authority even to, to look into adoption. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where we are now. We've been through the process, we're approved and just waiting for a match. Wow, Nicole. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I rushed through that. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm so sorry for all your losses. I'm not even sure how you got through that whole time. And even now, right, because the grief doesn't go away, right? It's, it's still there. And I know you mentioned that you had counseling at, at a time after seeing that clinic. Yeah. By the way, that clinic was really crazy. I cannot understand how you can just say that to someone and just just walk away like oh, okay see ya like yeah. what are you like what are you supposed to do after all of that when, yeah you know 
I mean, I understand that clinics see a lot of people, but I think they need to do better. Some of them need to do better at, you know, giving information out, just finding yeah. the right words and like even the attitude about saying it as well. Like, oh, they they were awful. They yeah, they were awful. So um, when when the doctor there um, told me I had endometriosis, um, he 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 said it just so casually. Um, and said, you know, this could really jeopardize your your chances of carrying a child. Um, and it was there was almost accusation there, like, you know, if you wanted children, why didn't you get this treated? I was like, I didn't know I had it. <laughs> um, exactly. And lots of people don't know. No, no. I think yeah. I think I've read recently um, it was endometriosis month um, back in March. Um, and I think on average, it takes about eight, eight or nine years to get diagnosed. Um, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I realized now I'd actually been to see a doctor in my early 20s about a, a symptom of endometriosis. Um, and um, and she sent me away saying, just just to have a little glass of wine, you know, you'll you'll feel better. Ugh. And I was just, at, at the time I, I didn't know. I thought, oh, it's obviously, you know, it's me. I'm uptight. Something's wrong. I'll have a glass of wine. It'll all go away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know. I didn't know it was it was a, a symptom of endometriosis. It was just unknown. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I felt quite guilty after that when the, when the doctor was like, you know, you should have had this treated. I was like, um, and I felt quite guilty that I hadn't. Um, when, That's so you know, unfair, right? Yeah. I, I not... haven't studied medicine. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, so, yeah, there definitely needs to be. Um, better education with doctors just knowing how to pass on information and even with endometriosis because there's so many people um, finding out much much later when yeah. perhaps something could have been done earlier if they had known yeah so we definitely um, need more awareness and I have in in my work now trying to raise awareness of, of infertility I have spoken to a doctor who who's looking in a, a research doctor who's looking into endometriosis um, and they said that because I felt that that was just a, a physiological thing. And so I've only got I only had one ovary that worked um, because one was ruined by endometriosis. Um, and I felt that that's where it ended in my infertility. But actually, she she thinks that it might have been um, part of the the the, the reason for the um, for the uh, the autoimmune response to my pregnancy oh, I see. could right. be linked to endometriosis because I think they're looking now at endometriosis as more of a um, um, an immunological condition rather right. than um, just a a kind of a menstrual condition or you know yeah so um, yeah they don't know yet but I think there's a there's a lot of research happening um, so hopefully in years to come women won't have to go through that but. Yeah. Exactly. And that would be amazing if they actually find out that there's a link and see how that can be fixed or treated somehow yeah. to prevent yeah. that from happening. Yeah. And I also know that, you know, when I was saying earlier that you noted that you had counseling right up to speaking to that doctor initially. Yeah. Did you have counseling at other times with what you were going through? Did you have any form of support? Um, so the, the support I have found to, to really be lacking. Um, so I, I did see a counsellor and that's as part of my training to become a counsellor. You have to, you're expected to see, to see a counsellor so that All you can right. go through the process yourself. Um, and, and it happened at the same time. So it, it just kind of coincided that I was doing uh. my training whilst I, all this was happening. So I did have, um, counselling. I had, one counsellor who was who was very very nice but actually I sometimes felt quite judged um and um and within the course they tell you you know to try and try and see somebody who maybe you isn't your go-to um so as, as a cat in, in my head a counsellor is kind of like a, a a kind of homely motherly lady that you go and talk to <laughs> you know, you're safe with um and um and my tutor was very much like you know challenge yourself see somebody who who maybe you you don't think you would not not that you wouldn't get on with but you know that that is is different different so yeah. um I always thought because because most of what I talked about was fertility related I thought it had to be a woman and I thought no do you know what I'm gonna find a guy <laughs> 
So I found a, 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 a gentleman counsellor who actually did walking therapy, which I, I loved um, because I like being in nature and I find it, I found it less, almost less intimidating than sitting opposite yeah. somebody. You're kind of walking together. Um, and, That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, um, and he was the least judgmental person I have ever met. I mean, I, I will sing his praises for, forever. <laughs> this guy just allowed me to to just feel to just explain my story and to to feel whatever I felt um and yeah he he just allowed me to just talk about it and it it was amazing um and I think you know that the ways in which just that helped because I think a lot of it I I felt that you know a miscarriage is not something that you feel grief for you know it happens everyone has it you know it's it's um I didn't realize and it, and to be fair my first miscarriage probably I was a little bit like that because I was like well you know next time my body will know what it'll do what it's doing so I did I was a little bit dismissive of the first one I was like I was sad but I was like you know next time it'll work and then when the second round of IVF didn't work at all and I was told I wouldn't carry children of my own that miscarriage suddenly took on a huge significance because that could have been my my only ever pregnancy um and the loss of that just became huge at that point um and then as 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 I had kind of more and more miscarriages it yeah the the grief is real um and it's 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 such a huge loss um that I never really believed and and I didn't feel like my grief was valid I think I spent a lot of the time hiding it and pretending everything was fine um and also society no no one asks you know if if you're pregnant and it's all going well everyone's like oh how how's it going yeah. um as soon as you're you're not pregnant anymore or it's gone wrong everyone's like oh yeah sorry and then move on you know it's exactly as if it and they want happened. you to move on too they want you like oh stop, stop talking about it like yeah and it's and it's so wrong right because i mean you had hopes and dreams for every single one of those babies. And yeah. when it's just taken away from you suddenly, um, how can you just move on? How yeah. can you pretend nothing happened? Yeah, exactly. And I think there's there's an expectation, you know, almost like it, it wasn't really a baby. And I'm yeah. like, uh, when, uh, and now I, I kind of say to people, you know, at what point during your exactly. did your baby did you know? become yeah. a real baby? You know, at what point yeah. would you have been happy to lose it? You wouldn't. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question, actually. That that is a good question to ask people because I think it gets them thinking. Like when you make a statement like that, if it was turned around and you think about it, does it actually make any sense? It doesn't. Yeah. 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 I think definitely we need to in mean, the society, and, and this is all around different countries. Uh, people need to do better in allowing yes. that space for people to even grieve and feel what they feel and yeah. rightly so right because yeah yeah it's it's absolutely valid um yeah and, it, and it's and it's it's it is sad that and, and you, you know you're right by saying that you felt like almost like oh my, my grief is not valid because it's also always dismissed like oh yeah one in four pregnancies and in loss okay it's very common so hey it's not a big deal just mm. deal with it but that's not that's not true because it's common doesn't make it less painful yeah for every person I, that I think women it. women who have a lot probably skew those numbers as well um so I remember kind of calculating at one point that actually if if one in four pregnancies ended in a miscarriage that means that there's 27 other women who've had a baby and I haven't <laughs> in that yeah my seven so yeah, <laughs> it kind of yeah. skews it. Yeah. And with this, you know, with all your experience until now, how do you say that infertility has changed you as a person or impacted your relationship with your partner? Um, it's definitely changed me as a person. I think um I think I have a a difficult relationship with hope now. I think right. um it, it became something to almost 
beat myself with um you know everyone's like oh you know next time and I would I would do it to myself I'd be like you know this this next time's going to work and I would I would build up my hope um for it to just be be yeah like the rug pulled from under me again um and I I got to a point where I just didn't trust hope and I didn't want to feel hope because hope just led to heartache um and it's been it's been slow to to try and be okay about feeling hopeful um because as soon as I'm hopeful I kind of think no because that will make make everything go wrong um so I have a fear of hope really which is 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 strange and it's something that I'm I'm working on um I'm hoping that at some point more positive experiences will kind of sway the the, the balance again and it'll be a positive thing um which it should be you know hope is is something we all need it, it kind of pulls us through dark times but yeah it just became too painful really um so I think that um has has really impacted who I am um yeah I no longer trust you know I I was brought up in a in a in a family um and probably a culture um where you know if if you're a good person and if you work hard you get you get you know good stuff everything you You do well um and I I did all that and it didn't work um so it's kind of like everything that I learned you know the the Disney ideal basically you know if if you do everything Mm. right everything will turn out right um yeah that that was quite a harsh awakening that actually that isn't true (laughs) um yeah and I think because of the 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 kind of secretness around infertility and all the issues you you do feel like you know it's just happening to me and I'm the only one that that isn't having this this kind of you know get married have your first baby have another fairy tale yeah yeah um yeah I it wasn't normal at all it wasn't normalized and I think that's part of what I'm trying to do trying to to show people that actually you know the the Disney ideal is actually probably far more rare than we think (laughs) yeah yeah. Well said. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, and in terms of the relationship, I think in some respects, because I met my partner during my, my second round of IVF, um, I think having a family was always on the car, on the table. He always knew that it was, it was a massive priority for me. Um, but I think when he met me, I was, I was a far happier person. I had a lot less kind of weight on my shoulders um and I do sometimes feel you know that he's he's come into this relationship with with someone who was very hopeful and positive and sometimes I'm not now and I'm like oh what what does he think of that but I think he's he's you know when I wrote my book um I really wanted him to read it and to to be kind of like yay supportive um and when (laughs) I said you know why haven't you read it yet he's like I lived through it um right and I get that. So he he deals with things very differently to me. Um, I'm very kind of, I need to talk about it. I need to process this. He's kind of like, it happened, you know. Um, but I think it works well. And I think our relationship is actually probably stronger because of it all. Um, I know that sounds so cliche and naff, but, <laughs> but it, it, it is probably stronger. Um, because we're very different, but it, it's worked well in terms of... of you know, I remember, and I think I write about this in my book, sometimes I, I when I'm really down and, and kind of having a really griefy day, <laughs> um, mm. I he, he would come along and just try and make me laugh. And some days it would just be the most annoying thing. I'd be like, I don't want to laugh. Go away. <laughs> and some days actually yeah. it's just what I needed. I, I just needed him to, to kind of pull me out of the precipice. Um yeah it's just it has kind of worked um I think you know relationships are are so hard to you know everything is impacted by infertility your sex life your everything um yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah thank you so much for sharing and you know you're right when you say uh firstly about the impact it had on yourself and the relationship with hope now because after going through 
all that, you know, that you have and disappointments, certainly it's impossible to remain the same with hope. It's, you somehow just, it's the reality. Like, you're not sure, should I really be hoping or should I expect, or should I protect myself by not hoping and then whatever happens, happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's definitely um, valid for you to feel that way. Uh, and it, it is great to see that for yourself and your your uh, partner is actually helped uh, and you know build your relationship stronger because for many that's not the case like it's just yeah. too much and it, people deal with things differently people can react differently people might want to stop while the other person wants to continue so you can't really pull people apart yeah so, yes absolutely it could could have gone either way yeah um and I know that I, a few times I told him, you know, you, you could go and find someone younger, someone fertile, um, because he really wants to be a dad. So I felt a lot of guilt that, yeah, that it, and, and recently I've learned also a lot more about um, male factor infertility, which wasn't yes. even considered really. I mean, it, as it turns out, it was me, but they didn't know that. They didn't test him um no kind of assumed you know it's it's you <laughs> um yeah so and I yeah I don't know how I would have felt had it been him if I'd have been different if I'd have been like well you know you're, you're not good to me but I I, yeah. I spent so long looking for a relationship that was a soulmate not just a a kind of a sperm donor who happened to live exactly. with me mm-hmm. um yeah that you know he he was he's he's a good match for me so I I think the infertility was just something we were gonna deal with together yeah and he's great because hey like you said earlier if he came in the middle of all of that and was willing to be like okay this is cool (laughs) this is weird it's amazing yeah Yeah. (laughs) so definitely he's a keeper so yeah that's amazing so you now decided to write a book from your experience. What was the inspiration behind that? Why did you decide to write the book? Um, I think because I felt so incredibly alone going through it. Um, I didn't know anybody else who, well, when I first started solo IVF, I didn't know anyone who'd even done IVF before. Um, there was, I wasn't on Instagram at the time. Um, I, I wasn't aware of any groups. I'm not even sure there were any groups, to be honest. Um, I, I started yeah. back in 2013. Um, and yeah, at the, at the time, people were just using Instagram for to, to jazz up their photographs, I think. There was no kind of <laughs> yeah social community. Um, so yeah, I, I, I didn't know anyone or anything about it um I felt like a rabbit in headlights um and then but I did I did just kind of assume you know IVF you get a baby at the end of it and I just assumed that so when that kind of went wrong I I had no one to talk to um and then with the 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 kind of recurrent miscarriages I I didn't even know anyone who'd had a miscarriage let alone several yeah um and then I, I, I was looking for books um, and every book I found was was written by somebody once they'd had their rainbow baby. You know, this is what I went through and now everything's fine. And I would read it and I'd be relating and relating. And suddenly you'd get to a point where you're just like, yeah, I, I can't relate because, you know, everything's worked out peachy for you. Um, and I think there's 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 a lot of of grief not just because of the babies I lost but grief in terms of the childlessness and and the life that I felt I I or I expected to have been living um that I just I couldn't find anything that that I could I could really cling to and think this person knows this person has been there um so I I thought it was really important to write my book before I actually had a, a happy ending to have that kind of in in the in in the middle of it kind of yeah. uh, view of it um and luckily well luckily um i'd i'd when i'd started my my solo motherhood journey i kept a diary because i wanted mm-hmm. um my child to understand why i'd i'd chosen to have a child out of of a relationship you know in case they kind of turn around and said you know but but 
why why don't I have a dad or you know wh whatever questions would come up I wanted them to understand what my thinking was um so I kept this diary and I think that was the start of it really it, it was just um yeah it, it was all kind of there it was quite raw um and I felt that it, I needed to share it I kind of felt that once I'd come out of the 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 kind of dark hole that I'd found myself in it's only right that you kind of turn around and help other people out as well yeah um yeah <laughs> that's amazing and didn't you feel like I mean like you said earlier it's not really spoken about it's still a taboo subject with you wanting to write a book how weren't you concerned that I am touching areas that are not usually touched and what will people think or um I uh, yes a little bit um but I it was so important to me because I'd, I'd felt so completely alone during that time um and and I just felt that no one really understood me um a part of it I think was cathartic for me mm. um in terms of of writing my own I I became much more empathetic towards myself when I was editing the book and I was reading my story and I was like actually that that's quite a tough thing to go through um yeah because I didn't give myself much much sympathy along the way um I was quite harsh and I I write about it you know I I, I was quite judgy towards myself you know why aren't you over this why can't you get better why why don't you feel okay now um and I think yeah reading it several times to to edit it made me actually think you know it it was a lot to go through um yeah. yeah and to be so much kinder to yourself because if that was your friend you'd you know be so supportive and say so many kind words to them yes yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a, a tough thing when you when you feel like you're alone and no, no one seems to be supporting you because no one understood um you kind of yeah. think they're justified in not supporting you and you just think well you know I'm not getting the support because this doesn't warrant support when actually it's just that actually no one understands it um exactly. yeah and they're not speaking about it enough right so if mm -hmm. they do speak about it and realize how many people are actually dealing with it realize this is so uh, so many people you know and how important it is for them to get the support so perhaps yeah that might also help and of course you know having your book out there that's amazing <laughs> because then people can read it and and yes have a better you know at least some understanding of what he might have felt like for you yes. all those times yeah. and other people so well done thank you for writing that and how how can we get your book where, where is it um so it's it's available on amazon um it's um in paperback and also um a kindle version okay. um yeah, it's uh, it's a self-published book, which is why it's only on Amazon, unfortunately. Um, but That's yeah, great though. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a new experience. Um, yeah, having never written a book, it was it was yeah. <laughs> quite interesting to do it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well done. And if people want to reach out to you to connect, what's the best way for them to reach you as well? Um, so I would say probably um, Instagram is probably the the best way. Um, I have a, a an account that's called um, Mum's the Word Blog, um, and I actually have a blog that I've I've written a few um, blogs on. I haven't actually written one for a while now, um, but yeah, I I find writing really helps me. I I really. I feel like I could connect with pe people as I write. So, um, yeah, and the, the blog is Mum's the Word um, as well. Mum's the Word. I'm trying to Perfect. think. I'll put that as well. Blog, I think it's blog. Yeah. <laughs> the blog. <laughs> I'll put the notes as well So and the, and the website so people can reach you. Okay. Um, and I thought it was very important that you noted that um, you decided to write the book while in the process because, again, you write many we see uh, when you have the miracle baby, which is great, uh, but sometimes that's not the same outcome for other people. And sometimes yeah. the person wants to see how you were before, you know, whatever the final outcome is, right? So it's other people can also relate to, to that while they're in the journey without uh, perhaps before getting to 
their desired outcome. So I thought that was really important as well that you chose to write it. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I, I think that's what I, I really felt was, was missing. I couldn't find anyone. I had lots of people saying, oh, you know, I know this person and that happened and then, you know, and then they had their rainbow baby and I was just like, yeah. right, but what about me? Um, and I, yeah, it was really missing <laughs> from what was yeah. available. Mm. And it's such an important uh, part of the um, conversations that we need to have. So yeah. well done on writing it now. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And you mentioned that you're currently in the process of adoption. Um, which I think many people don't necessarily know the details. And in some cases it's often suggested without people knowing how much you can entail as well. So if you are you able to tell us what you wish people knew or more people were aware of in terms of adoption? Um, so I know it's, it's, it's often kind of casually thrown in there when people are struggling to conceive people are like, Oh, yeah. why don't you just adopt? Um, and that's, it's a difficult thing because adoption isn't it's not a cure for infertility it's not no. the same um and I do I'm, I'm quite careful in what I'm saying here because I think adoptees can sometimes feel like they are a second option um especially if you've come from from infertility and then adopt they're like well you know you wanted your own kids first um but it is different it is it's it's I, it's difficult to describe really but if if and I I found that when I was trying to conceive and when I was even when I just lost a pregnancy I was desperate to pick up again where I'd left off I just wanted to be pregnant again I wanted to have my baby um and you just get sucked into this cycle of I need and you know you go to IVF and you just you you want to keep going until you get that baby to bring mm -hmm. home and you get sucked into that and you don't want to think about actually, you know, are there other options or it's, it's, it's just not appropriate to say to somebody going through it, you know, why don't you just adopt? Um, and it's also very difficult. And I think there are preconceived ideas about, you know, the, the children are, are, are potentially going to be difficult or, you know, are going to be damaged because they've lived through abuse. Um, as obviously these things need to be taken into, into consideration. But I think when you're, when you're trying to have a, a baby in a very kind of uncomplicated way, um, yeah. you, you're not ready to think, I want, I want to adopt. Um, it's, yeah, it's, and it's hard. I think adoption is, well, now we know, you know, adoption is trauma for, for, for any baby, regardless of what they've potentially lived through from birth I, you know they things like they've heard your voice whilst your whilst oh your voice your their mother's vo birth mother's voice whilst they were pregnant um and then you know that's not the voice they hear when they're born if they're taken away immediately um you know that there's so much that's traumatic for the baby even if they haven't suffered abuse um so you know you have to be prepared for that um yeah, it's, 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 there's, the way I see it is that, because I've, I've thought about the conversations I would have with my children, and when they say, you know, um, about, about the seven babies, you know, do you wish they'd lived and, and you didn't have us kind of thing, I'm imagining those kind of the questions, um, and when I have them, no, I won't wish that, I would wish that it had never happened, potentially, but, you know, what happened has led me to to them and the children I have yeah. will be my children um but it's it's such a, a grief is complicated it's never kind of smooth running there's never kind of you know this this is the right answer you do this and you'll be over it in this amount of time um yeah. grief for my babies will continue forever um but I think my my children will probably grief grieve the fact that they're not with their birth mother to some extent forever because ultimately a child wants wants to be loved and part of a family and the fact that you know their birth mother for whatever reason wasn't able to care for them wasn't you know keeping them able to to keep them safe um there will, will be a part of them that will always be sad about that and and you know I think having lost my babies gives me maybe a better insight into how it feels to 
actually have lost a, a part of you that you felt was always going to be there. But it doesn't mean that we can't form a really loving, beautiful family together anyway. Um, but that grief will always be there for all of us, I think, on all sides. And it's something that we'll have to have to have to um, acknowledge and, and just work through. Um, yeah. yeah. Well said, Nicole. Well said. So important to you to get that out there so people have a better understanding. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I think adoption is very, it's, it's, it's a very known thing because adoption has been going on for, for, for centuries, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's also very misunderstood, um, yes. even though it's, it's so well known, you know, it's quite misunderstood. Yeah. So thank you for, for, um, for sharing that with us and hopefully uh, you keep sharing and letting us uh, be better, uh, create more awareness about the misconceptions and things that need to be better understood, so. Yes, hopefully, I will keep fighting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, on your blog, so we'll keep reading uh, <laughs> and seeing the updates and wishing you um, great outcome uh, very soon, so. Thank you, thank you. yes. Yeah, yeah hopefully. For sure. hopefully we'll have a yes. map soon. <laughs> yes, yes, that's exciting. Um, and so if you had to go back to, I don't know, Nicole before all of this, I don't know, Nicole, 18-year-old Nicole, what would you tell her knowing all the things you know now? Oof, that is such a tough question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> because I, I wouldn't want to dampen her spirits. <laughs> mm -hmm, of course, yeah. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't want her to to think that that because I, I was I was always a very very happy outgoing sociable young person um and I I had a lot of hope I had you know I I just assumed that life would turn out right um and you know that's that's a, a sign of the privilege I had you know I, I'd never suffered very much as a child so you know my childhood was good my um yeah I just I had a lot of hope for the future um so yeah I I think I would probably tell her that she's a lot stronger than she thinks she is yes. um I think I think initially when something hits you you just think I can't I can't make it through this um and actually you can um you might not want to, but you can make it through. Um, and I think there is there is a lot of strength to be found in, in adversity, um, sadly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And well said, Nicole. Uh, and if there's anyone out there listening and um, single or as a couple going through infertility, um, any words of advice that you'd like to give them? Um, I think be, be true to yourself. Um, I'm, I'm no longer a, an advocate of, of kind of the, the toxic positivity of, you know, keep going, it'll happen. Of course. Um, yeah. it might not. Yeah. So I, I no longer say things like that. Um, but I think be true to yourself in terms of if you, if you've been through, you know something tough and you think I can't do it again you don't have to no one is, no one should I, I was going to say no one is people might do but no one should be judging you for for choosing not to um if actually you do want to continue then do it you know if if you want to keep trying keep trying um if you want to pursue other avenues you know do it um but do what feels right for you be true to you Love that, Nicole. Thank you so much. Very helpful. It is important to do what's best for you, regardless of what others might think. Because at yeah. the end of the day, it's your life, right? And you're going to live through everything. Yes. And it's your mental health and it's your bank yes. account because exactly. none of this comes free. <laughs> yeah. No. And as a wrap up, Nicole, do you have any words of affirmation uh, that you have found helpful during your journey so far? Um. I, I was I've been thinking about um, affirmations and things like that. I, I I think along with my relationship with hope, 
I also have a very difficult relationship with affirmations mm. um, because so many of them are very positive and very, you know, it'll all work out. If you put the effort mm. in, it'll all work out. Um, so I don't think I do. Um, I think I used to have, I used to have a, 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 a few. I think um, one, one thing that did stick to my mind when, when I was going through stuff was, I, I think it's Churchill that said, when you're going through hell, keep going. Um, and that actually did help. It, it doesn't sound very positive, but it, it did actually help for, for a time. I was just like, I just have to keep going. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, if, if, if you're exhausted by trying, you don't have to keep going by keep trying. You can, but just, you know, get up the next day and, and try your best at whatever you, whatever path you're going to take. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Nicole, because, you know, you, I think it's important. I mean, that's the first time I've heard it, but I think it's important to, to be able to say that because it is the truth, right? It's not, hope does take a, you know, it takes a hit when you go through all of this and reality as well. Affirmations can seem like, well, doesn't matter how many times I say it, it's not really, you know, gotten me what I want so far. So I am glad that you actually said that because (laughs) it is the truth. (laughs) And again, it needs to be included in the conversation. We cannot uh, have it all one way and assume Mm -hmm. that that's how it works for everybody. It's not the truth. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, by tomorrow, perhaps things might change and you might have another. That's fine. So I think yeah. it's important to have share that. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, it has been uh, amazing having you on here, uh, Nicole. I have learned so much and I think you're doing so, so it's amazing work. You know, for writing that your book, uh, very important that you wrote the book now before um, getting your happy ending that you mm-hmm. you know that you're hoping for now I think it's very important because there's so many people um, that need to read that and connect and you know be able to feel like well there's someone else out there like me mm-hmm. living this and perhaps not knowing how it all will end or whatever the case may be right so yeah Thank you so much for sharing and writing that book now and for sharing your story and um, for all this creating awareness and just having those conversations about infertility, about loss, because we need to speak about it more. There are many more people that need support and need to feel yeah. like there's nothing wrong with them for yeah. feeling this way. Yeah, so, yeah, agree. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. And for being here with us today, uh, it's, it has been truly uh, inspiring. Thank and you for having me. People- Yes, I know lots of people listening will also be inspired and looking forward to read your book and to connect with you as well. So um, thank you for being here today and looking forward to having you again in the near future. Oh, well, that'd be great. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.